This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast. What is your name? I'm uh, Lavina Matamidi. Um, and the, most recently I've been going uh, under the name Anna Lavina. All right. And what would you say is your primary role in the line dance community? Um, I, I, don't, I wouldn't see it or answer, want to answer that question as a role. Um, I don't see it as I, I feel role makes it feel like something I should be doing or that I'm this and, and, and nothing else. Uh, so to answer that question, I would say I'm dedicated to developing line dance um, as a teacher, a performer and a choreographer. And um, I also care a lot about health promotion in general. So that's what I dedicate myself. So in that sense, my role is to be uh, the best person that I can be and improving myself and with those skills every day. All right. Now, uh, people may actually recognize your name and possibly even your face and voice from one of the things that you do within line dance. Where might people recognize you from if you had to guess? You mean in the line dance world? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, recognize me from. Well, uh, for example, when when we saw that you were here at this event, uh, where we just spent a lovely weekend, a dancing up storm in Kansas City, Missouri, I saw you, and I was so excited that I finally got to meet you because I've only ever seen you on a YouTube screen before, or maybe on Facebook when that YouTube video is being shared. What is it that you do um, involving line dance on YouTube? Oh, um, so I have a YouTube channel where I post demos uh, of line dance choreography, uh, choreography from other instructors, um, and also my own work. And most recently, I started doing these video interviews, which I've also um, been posting. Uh, So that's uh, probably where people recognize me from. I was hoping from a bit of everything, <laughs> but it seems like people were, are recognizing me from the interviews. Uh, just recently at, at an event in Toronto, there were people, it was Celebrate Dance, and there were people from, I believe it was Michigan, that recognized me, and they came up to me and says, oh, I saw your interview with uh, uh, Gary O'Reilly, and uh, we really liked it, and, and I thought, oh, that's so cool that, you know, I'm uh, already making connections, you know, with people in Michigan, and it was, um, I was very grateful that they had recognized me. So so I think it's the interviews that, <laughs> that people are seeing my face, you know, this is this is Lavina. <laughs> yeah. Now how did those interviews get started and what for for somebody who's never seen one of them, um, what is the the general format uh, behind one? Like what do you tend to ask and where do those questions come from? So when I very f- when I did when I started with the first interviews um, a few years ago, I had um, done one with Max Perry, Guyton, and um, Ira Weisberg. And at that time, I was trying to um, popularize uh, modern line dance in Toronto, um, and I, I felt that we needed to know more about line dancing in Toronto. I was trying to get a class started. So I thought, what better way than to have some experts talk about the history and about what modern line dance is. So that was the intention when I interviewed Max Guyton and Ira at the time. And then I kind of, you know, took a break. And then I thought it'd be nice to start up the interviews again, but with a different approach, something maybe more structured, because the first ones were not structured. So I thought, okay, let's have some specific questions. Let's write them down. So you're, you know, when you blank out, <laughs> you, you still can have some uh, cohesive sentences. And um, and I thought it would be interesting to find out about the choreographers, but maybe a little beyond, you know, how did you start line dancing? Uh, you know, when did you become a choreographer? Or those kind of basic questions. I thought it'd be nice to find out a little bit more about them um, as a person, you know, I always ask myself that the question, what do they do outside of line dance? You know, do they have a, a job, a hobby? I'm all, you know, you always wonder. So I thought it'd be nice to have those kind of questions. So I created a, a few questions. They kind of evolved with each interview. I can't say I had, you know, a long preparation or I went and studied <laughs> interviewing. I just started with whatever you know, with me being me, 
and then each time watching the videos and saying well what question what other questions could I ask or you know how could I improve this how could I uh, be a better presenter and um, but some questions stayed and I did that on purpose to have some questions that are always the same actually right now most of them are the same and that's for the purpose of uh, some predictability so people could look forward to like for example I always ask you know what's the embarrassing or the best line dance moment um, uh, and I do that on purpose that everyone gets that question because I think that's so fun, right? We've all had our embarrassing moments and some of them are absolutely hilarious. So people can look forward to that. So you want that predictability, but ever so often throwing in some questions that are different, also depending who you're interviewing too. So I interviewed uh, you guys. <laughs> yeah. um, Megan Barsulia sitting, sitting to my right. Yes, yes, Megan sitting there. And so with you guys, it was completely different. I went a different direction because of the Your Line Dance podcast. Um, and uh, so that they went a different direction, and I was happy with that. But I still asked my famous question, <laughs> you know, what, uh, what's your embarrassing line dance moment? And, and then the, um, the questions of, uh, I didn't do that with you guys, but the hobbies and, you know, what maybe silly habits and, and, and there's been good feedback about that. I think people like to know that our line dance choreographers, <laughs> our international famous ones that we absolutely admire, um, are human beings just like us. And, and, and they, they do other things than dancing. And they've got their good days and their bad days. And that's kind of what I wanted to highlight. I wanted it to be a, um, um, structured, but at the same time, quite relaxed. Uh, especially because our environments sometimes will be very informal, as, as we've seen in the videos. Some are in a quiet space. Some are, you know, in the hallway of the hotel with all this noise. And so, so it's something kind of at moments formal, but in other ways not f more relaxed and, and um, a little bit improvised. Yeah. Now, we are here in Kansas City, Missouri, and you are from Toronto. I'm guessing you have done some traveling in your day with this line dance world. Where are some of the places that you've been and how would you say each different location compares with the scene in Toronto? Because I know we've never been to Toronto. We really don't know what it's like there. Uh, what is it like there and what have you seen that's different out uh, in the rest of the world of line dance? Um, I haven't done that much traveling and I'm still very new to line dance. I've only been in line dance for the last almost five years, so not a long time. Uh, I have traveled to, um, I went to the dance, uh, Vegas Dance Explosion, so Las Vegas in 2015. That was my first year <laughs> of line dancing, so that was an overwhelming experience. And uh, Florida, fun, was it, what is it, fun in the sun? I went to that once and dancing up a storm here in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I've been to this event three times, uh, particularly because of uh, doing some dance training here uh, at, at the events. At, the, at this event, they have um, our National Teacher Association workshops. And um, that's about it. I haven't really traveled outside of Toronto all that much. Uh, to be honest, it's it's very costly um, for Canadians to be flying to the States. Although I've heard uh, people say, oh, it's costly too in the States for Americans within, <laughs> within the States. So that I don't know. I can't talk about that. But I know for Canadians traveling to the States for line dance events, it's a, it's a fortune. So I can't travel all that much. What I have noticed with how does how is this different from Toronto, um, and that's most of my experience is what I'm sensing of Toronto, and this is of course subjective to what I've seen. Um, is um, we have line dancing in Toronto, but it's kind of weird. It's like little uh, clusters, and it's scattered so you'll have a lot of line dance in one area and then other places nothing um you have um 
so in that sense, I, I feel like we could have a stronger presence of line dance in Toronto. So like outside of the actual core, downtown core, central Toronto, if you go north to areas which we call Markham, Richmond Hill, you have a huge um, community there, a big um, Chinese community of line dancers, and they're very well connected, and they, all, they, they really stick together, and it's, uh, it's, it's amazing, it's beautiful. Um, and then um, outside of that area, we have um, other areas where we have um, uh, uh, groups of more country line dancers, um, groups of a little bit more mixed, modern and country. And that's a little scattered, you know, small group here, small group there. Um, and then in the downtown, like what I'd really call the downtown, where you have your, you know, maybe younger people, young, your working professionals, or there's nothing. You may have, you have a little bit, we have some country bars that draw young people uh, for country line dance. We can count them on one hand. I think there's like two or something <laughs> like that. Um, so there's not a, a lot of, of, of that either. So we, we do have some young people, they're doing country, and they go to those country bars. But there's nothing downtown. There's absolutely, uh, and the young people, they're not line dancing. They're not uh, doing any of the modern, the modern stuff. So when I went to Fun in the Sun and Vegas Dance Explosion, now mind you, I was doing a bunch of things <laughs> and I didn't get to see everything properly so it's really my experience of what I caught but I got the the impression that there was a huge population of uh, young people and and that it's that was a, a stronger presence of line dance um, in the states at least where I went Florida and Las Vegas so Canada we could uh, have a a stronger presence, I think. <laughs> Even at the internationally, uh, where I think we could have more evolution of our line dancing. Yeah. So I don't know if other Canadians would agree with me, but th that's what I'm noticing. Yeah, clusters and and then nothing. <laughs> A little group here and then and then nothing. But whatever community we have. Um, it's uh, it's as we've you know with you Chris and Megan we were talking about this about the, the community line dance community being so friendly and open and um, we have a lot of events in Toronto even though we're not a huge community we have a lot of events and everyone uh, will go to these events um, and and in that sense there's no segregation of groups. Uh, the, there's many events where everyone shows up and and everyone appreciates each other. Yeah. There are some choreographers that we associate with just being worldwide, like Rachel McEnany White or Joe Thompson Zemanski. And then there there are some that do travel to other events, but you think of them as being may, maybe more locally based, like um, Michael Barr, Michelle Burton, Neil Hale, Charlotte Skeeters. I think of them as being sort of like a California, Bay Area kind of a, a crowd. Are there any names that, oh, and also we were talking earlier about how they really love Scott Blevins dances in Southern California. Like they know all his classics, it's, it's really something. Who would you say you associate the most with Toronto? Are there any names uh, that pop out for you of people whose dances are always done, like a like a Judy McDonald or or a Rodalie or anything like that, where um, you can count on several of their dances being played, and they might even be at several of the events in your area. So, in terms of choreographers in. Toronto, um, the big ones are Rhoda Lai, um, and we've had Vivian Scott, who works closely with Fred Buckley. Um, we, uh, I'd say those are the two that really stand out and have had a lot of international exposure. Um, more locally, uh, I have... Uh, I, f I see that we have choreographers such as uh, Regina Chung, uh, who does 
a lot of um, who does dances and, and is very involved in line dancing. Uh, we have Double Trouble as well. They're uh, Kathy and Kathy. We have some that are like hidden. Uh, I don't want anyone to hate me here because I, I'm like, I hope I'm not missing, missing anyone. You know, you're trying to remember names, but um, Dan Morrison has produced some work. Um, and uh, so we have these like little hidden talents and no one really hears about. Um, and, and then we have our really big choreographers who have gone internationally. Uh, but I think we could have more of it. Um, yeah. So... Are, th are there any choreographers whose dances you tend to gravitate toward? And also, just in general, what would you say is your f maybe a uh, favorite or preferred style within line dance? Like, I know Megan likes some nightclub two steps that yeah, are like you know, pretty dances. I, I have a couple of those as well where you, you feel pretty. But, like, historically, one might say, oh, Christopher Gonzalez, he does all those like jumpy, energetic dances. And th that's just you know, what you tend to find yourself dancing more often than not at various times in your life. What kinds of dances do you like right now? Uh, it just a as a style, as a feel, and also I'd be curious, what got you into it in the first place that attracted you to this world of lion dance? Because uh, different, different people are brought into it in different ways. Sometimes it's the dancing, sometimes it's the building, sometimes it's the people. And I'm wondering whether what brought you to the dance, so to speak, is what still keeps you in it now or whether you've found yourself uh, changing in, in ways so that what you like about it now is what you wouldn't have even thought about back when you first started. Um, that's a very <laughs> big question you're asking me. Uh, so I'm... I'm thinking about when you're asking me about the styles I like and what attracts me to line dance. So I discovered line dance by accident. But the main thing that attracted me was the opportunity for solo dance. And a lot of solo dance, you know, will be in the ballet world and the contemporary jazz world. And my headspace at the time and still now was to pursue it professionally, which um, can be more difficult as you're getting older and you're kind of, you know, I, I was in dance, I left dance, I come back to dance. Well, I'm, it's unlikely I'm going to go and become a professional ballet dancer at this point in my life. So those styles uh, that are solo were not as accessible to me with, because of the goals that I had and that were beyond just leisure, that were more a little more professional. So when I discovered, and then there was ballroom dance, but I, wasn't, I was never sure if I was going to enjoy it because I'm not sure how comfortable I am with the partnership. I like... Uh, to feel very free when I dance and I like to be very expressive. So when I discovered line dance, it was like, wow, I get to do solo dance. I can be expressive. And there is this incredible variety <laughs> of styles that I can explore. And it happens that it's not too hard on the body. So I can see myself doing this as I get older. And who knows, there may be, you know, professional goals I can pursue and it's it seemed to me something realistic that I could do at this point in my life so in that sense it was a blessing it was life-changing and it was exactly what I was looking for so yeah um, you know we were talking earlier about people who say life line dancing saved them for me it saved me in the sense of bringing back dance in my life which I had uh, kind of buried <laughs> under the carpet for years because you know it was always very difficult to make a um, income with dance and um, to um, find something that you can do long term as your body changes and maybe you don't have the same energy so line dance um, although line dance just like any other style professionally it can be very challenging and the reality is not many of us are making income out of, out of it. Uh, but it's just the hope, the hope and the idea that you have projects you can pursue uh, with professional intentions and that you can um, 
do this at any time in your life, uh, whether your body is more tired or less tired or whether you have injuries or not, that it's not, ex it's not a style that ex is expecting um, tremendously from your body like ballet or, you know, uh, acro dance or those very athletic type of dances. Um, now the styles, you're, uh, you were asking about styles. Um, I really like <laughs> a lot. It's maybe more what I don't like, but I do have a particular attachment for uh, flowy dances, waltz, nightclub, um, anything uh, lyrical, um, things that resemble contemporary kind of expressive dances. So I'm thinking of, um, and it's a pity that uh, I entered line dance. I'm, I'm thinking of Guyton, Guyton Mundy right now. And when I entered line dance, he actually was <laughs> retiring. So, so when I was finally ready to start learning his work, he, he kind of, uh, you know, stepped aside. But he has uh, dances that are things I'm attracted to. Um, the Bitter End, is that what it was called? Yes, it's the bitter end, the bitter something. <laughs> the pretty sure is the bitter end. He had Sound of Silence, which was one of his last dances. Um, and actually recently, um, John, Rod John Robinson and Derek Steele produced a dance called Can't Escape Me. Uh, and it, had, it has that very uh, expressive, lots of room to, to express yourself where the, the notes are stretched out. And so I really like uh, those styles. And, uh, la and Latin dancing, I have a, a big bias for, <laughs> for Latin dance, merengue, salsa, and then in our ballroom world, you know, the, the cha-cha and rumba, tango, when available, I really like those ones. Yeah, so I, I like a lot, yeah. Have you choreographed in those styles as well? Um, yes, the, the, the few dances I've choreographed so far, um, one of them was a... Um, a merengue was called Me Without You. Actually, it won a uh, first prize non-country for Dancing Up a Storm. Um, now, Dancing Up a Storm, they didn't have it this year, but uh, in the previous years, they had uh, a line dance competition. It's uh, small. It's nothing, you know, like Windy City or <laughs> Vegas Dance Explosions. A small kind of local competition, but I had entered uh, my, my Latin dance. Um, and it won that year, so that was uh, really nice. <laughs> and um, what else? I um, I wrote a waltz last year. Um, we could call it love, and it's to the song um, from the last movie of Fifty Shades. Um, trying to remember is it 50 shades freed because i think there's 50 shades of gray 50 shades darker and then maybe 50 shades yes. Free. 50 shades freed so the song was sacrifice that's that's the song yeah to check myself so so the dance is called we could call it love from the song sacrifice that was my latest one and um so it was a waltz and it has this it it, it faces corners and so it has this very like stage type you know kind of dance um yeah so i would i would say the styles i like i'm i'm also driven to choreograph uh those styles yeah i'm gonna go ahead and ask you another complicated multi-part question um since you've had an opportunity to talk with so many people within the line dance world i'm curious if there's anything that they've shared with you maybe that's surprising to you or especially valuable to remember that you would want to share with other people as well so that that uh, wisdom is not lost and then also this may or may not be related is there anything that you find yourself working on right now like for me it would be standing up straight I've, I used to also notice that I didn't smile while I was dancing and then even if I'm having a great time people think I'm miserable I'm like all right let's see what we can do about that and now I, I feel like I've got a hold on that but the posture is still coming along so is there anything that you find yourself uh, working on actively right now and uh, is that related to any of the advice you've received and what might that advice be um, 
a lot of the things I feel I'm working right now wasn't necessarily uh, f from uh, feedback from others or what I learned in when interviewing people, although I have learned a lot from them. I think I'm, um, I'm already so, um, my standard for myself <laughs> is already quite high. <laughs> And I'm always checking in with myself because I want to improve. And I, um, my, one of my biggest values for myself and, and principles is, you know, to really be modest because there's always something to learn. And I've always told, I've always said to myself, I will always make sure it doesn't, nothing gets to my head because every experience I have is always revealing to me how much there is to learn. The more you, the more you learn, the more you know, the more you feel you don't know anything. And, um, and that's also not the kind of person I want to be, to be someone like, oh yeah, I know it all. And, um, you know, have that vanity. That's not the person that I want to be. That's not what I've wanted for myself a long time ago. Um, so because of that, coming back to your question, that is why I'm al I already know what I want to work on and I have, I'm constantly checking in with myself. Um, one thing right now is learning to be less overwhelmed in line dance events. Um, and I feel I become very overwhelmed in the events and that makes me very, um, I guess, stressed and not quite in my body so I really wanted to work on that I also want to, and that also was affecting um my performance like if I was uh leading dances in events uh it would affect my performance so I would have some anxiety towards will I forget my dance and sometimes actually blanking out and forgetting my dance so I really wanted to work on that because I have goals you know I'm for me, the sky's the limit. I may like to uh, pursue performance competitions, for example. Well, I've told myself, if I cannot <laughs> lead a dance at an event and feel comfortable and not have anxiety, how am I going to go into performance competitions, right? So I said, I said to myself, I have to start like you've said earlier, okay, what can I do about this? How am I going to develop this so I can be a better dancer? And not only that, just also to be able to relate better with people and uh, not look stressed and um, remember people's names better. Megan, we were talking about yes. remembering people's names. Sometimes I meet someone, I see their face, they tell me their name, they tell me their name, and then later on I... I wouldn't probably wouldn't even recognize them, and it's not because I don't care or I don't want to recognize them. Quite the opposite. I'm actually like, you know, sometimes I've written down people's names so I could try to remember them. But it's because I was so overwhelmed. I was tired. I was stressed. So I saw their face, but I didn't see their face. If that makes sense, right? I, I saw they were there, but I didn't actually. I wasn't in the present moment. So being in the present moment and really enjoying the moment and not having this constant um, kind of anxiety um, about, you know, feeling self-conscious. And so I've been working on that, uh, the, the performance anxiety and, and trying to, uh, ma to manage better all the variables of um, the stimulating variables. There's the music, you're talking loud, you're talking to one person, then you're hearing, <laughs> oh, that's the song that I wanted to go and dance to. And um, so many people and, and, and being sleep deprived. And so all this just adds up and accumulates and accumulates. And then you end up presenting a version of yourself that is not, you know, it's not quite you entirely or it's you but it, it could be the could the, you know there's more to yourself there's more to you know your authentic who you are authentically so that's what I've been I've been working on uh, being more present and 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 less uh anxious yeah thoughts or questions for Megan oh I have a few actually um <laughs> Chris is really good at the multi-part questions, and so sometimes we don't get to fully ask them. 
um, or hear the answer. Um, you didn't ask uh, if there's a instructor or choreographer's piece of works that you actually gravitate towards or not. Um, for instance, me, I definitely am a fan of like Rachel dances or Darren dances. And so I generally gravitate towards those. Is there a particular choreographer that you find yourself being like, well, yeah, it makes sense. I like that dance. It was choreographed by so-and-so. As I pass the mic, I'd like to clarify uh, Darren Bailey, since there's also oh, a Darren Mitchell true. out there. Yeah. Um, it's funny because sometimes I ask myself that question, you know, what choreographer am I a fan of? And I'm going to like learn all their dances. And I don't necessarily have one. Uh, I I feel I'm pretty open to different choreographers and work learning their work. It's more the style. So if a choreographer has a lot of what I said I like, nightclub uh, waltz, and publishes a lot of dances of that style, then I may be driven to that person. So one example I'm thinking is... Um, my experience has been the last few years Rob Fowler has had some nice waltz you know I love Wonderland waltz um Shades of Passion was one I really liked so I was driven to his work because of the waltz and when actually when I choreographed my my waltz we could call it love I used his work as um uh, my foundation as okay I need to uh learn about what kind of repertoire of, of steps we have and and kind of like the book you're going to read your to do your research so I use some of his uh, work as my uh, source of research but um, I have liked a few of Ira Weisberg um, I think because um, some of his work has that Latin you know like one of his latest Lento uh, it has that Spanish. There's one he choreographed, and now I see that the name escapes me. It had a tango sound to it, although it was not choreographed necessarily as a as a tango, but it had that kind of tango feeling. So I, I I'll be driven to to his work because of that. Um, but I'm I'm pretty open. I really uh, <laughs> I think too. Um, the more a choreographer has a variety of styles, chances are I'm gonna I'm gonna learn their dances uh, because they'll hit the different styles that I enjoy. Um, but I try to stay uh, pretty open. Um, it's more about where I where my headspace is right at a particular moment because I'm working on developing line dance developing my skills so I if I so for example when I wanted to write that waltz I was like waltz 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 <laughs> I need examples of waltz and I collect step sheets all of waltz and um, so right now I'm curious about well how do you choreograph a nightclub or um, rolling count uh, those are completely foreign to me so now I'm attracted to the nightclub recently I learned secrets we keep at uh, and I, I really have learned to enjoy that dance. And, and that part of the reason was, okay, I want to, I want to develop that. Also, if it's um, a dance that is, um, that I'm, I know I'm good at dancing, I probably will be attracted to choreographers who uh, create dances of that style. So, um, Right now, country is not what I'm most attracted to. Uh, so I, I probably won't pick choreographers that do a lot of country dances. Or um, I like hip hop, but I don't present it well because I'm, I am, and I've been told <laughs> I am uh, too. I'm very upright when I dance. I'm, I've been told I'm very elegant when I dance. So I don't present hip hop really well. So Although I may like a hip hop dance and music, I may not. I may choose not to work on it because I know I'm not going to feel good when I dance, and I'm, I'll feel like, oh, I'm probably not doing a good, good job with it. But on the flip side, if I'm in that time of you know period where I'm like, okay, I need to get better with uh, dancing hip hop, then maybe I'll start you know picking um, some of um, who's done hip hop. Uh, we have Rebecca Lee who's done a lot of that, so. 
I'll, I'll maybe probably start picking more of her dances. So yeah, it's, it's really, I, I switch a lot because my headspace is at different places depending of what I'm learning. And that's constantly changing. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, when you were saying you might look into um, a lot of a different type of style, if that's what you're interested in at that time, that sort of dance shopping can then help you uh, in your choreography and build your toolkit. There was a time when we were trying to choreograph to a song by Maddie Noyes called London. And at the time, in 2017, uh, I had very little experience with that sound. So when we were pitching some steps to our friend John Lieberman, he would say, okay, that's great, but that really looks like a country bar dance because that's what we knew. We knew country bar dances. There were a lot of heel jacks and scuffs and things. And I didn't think of dances as being like um, pigeonholed into a style, but that's just because I thought that that's that's what was more or less normal. Like I thought these are just steps, but no, you're right. There is a sound, there's a feeling like how do you choreograph a nightclub? What steps are allowed? Like what's in that, that framework? What's in a waltz that you might not do in a hip hop dance. And I'm glad that we had um, that, that feedback from Jono. And I'm glad that since then we have gone deeper into the different styles so that if we do someday, you know, want to do a nightclub, will think, oh, okay, well, these other eight nightclubs that we know all use this kind of a thing. Maybe we could do that, but with a twist. So I'd, I'd be interested to see uh, as you go forward, you know, going into these different styles, how what you've learned then informs your choices for choreography. Yeah, you're going to most likely choreograph things that you feel comfortable, that, that you understand the musicality. Right, so, so nightclub, when I dance nightclub, I feel it. It feels great, I love it in my body, but I, I wouldn't know how to even begin, like how do I reflect the musicality of that? Yet I'll hear a merengue or a salsa and, and it just comes naturally and I don't have to, it's effortless and I just know it works. But other, other styles, I, I, I'd have so much doubt, I wouldn't be, you know, I would be like, does this work, that doesn't work. Um, so definitely as you develop your understanding of musicality for different styles, you uh, feel more comfortable choreographing um, to a, a wider variety of music and it definitely informs you. Um, at the same time, sometimes I, I find that I don't choose what I want, <laughs> what I'm gonna choreograph, it mm -hmm. just happens. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it surprises me so it's happened where um, a song that maybe has a party kind of sound, it's very, you know, a dance where you'd want to do clapping or arm waves or that I've been attracted to choreograph to a song like that. And that wasn't necessarily my favorite style of, of, of what I would pick to learn. So sometimes I feel I don't choose, it chooses me in that sense, you know, you, um, and it, changes with where you're at which is pretty uh, you know fascinating to to be witness of your own self of how you're evolving as a line dancer um, yeah. one of the things I find fascinating is how and I've talked to Rachel about how, like how she's she's picky with her music how there are some people who can make the weirdest stuff seem very appealing because of how they do it um, I, I read somewhere because I was, I was reading up on uh, a pro wrestler named Shinsuke Nakamura and what makes him charismatic and people are trying to define charisma and in the comments somebody said uh, a, a charismatic person isn't someone who does cool things it's somebody who makes things cool by doing them and it's very easy like if a, if a hit song comes out on the radio and you just jump on and, and choreograph something you already have a head start because people like the song. So whatever you put out to it, somebody's going to want to probably learn it just so they have a chance to listen to the song. What can be really impressive is when somebody hears something, like 
Roy, Roy Hittisbrodo and Fiona Murray, who they choreographed something to Dem De Go by, I, I want to say Brimo. And I never, I, I could go, I could have gone my entire life and never come across that song. I never would have thought about the genre of music that that song is. Yet they found that. They didn't like jump on something that was already a hit. They found that somehow and they choreographed to it. And I, I, was fascinated by like the things that they thought of to do with that. And I, I don't even know what, what I would look for if I wanted to find more music like that. But uh, that must have been a case of the song calling to them because I don't know how you'd go looking for the song. <laughs> yeah, or they had exposure. Somehow they've been exposed to that and, and so they're aware of it. And it's already there in their life as a presence of type of music and then they're yeah they're drawn to it it chooses them I, I find it interesting what you were saying about um sometimes it's not the thing itself that is uh, correct me if I'm wrong and how you how you express that but that that is that charming or it's the person who's making it such right by by bringing it to the forefront to make making um it known to others and also showing that you can do something creative with it so like certain styles of music that maybe we never would have thought of and we we realize at one point oh wow we can create a line dance to this but someone had to come and and show um that it can be done and yeah and but there's always that i would like to do that but there's always that fear of how it will be received because people have their set idea of what line dance is. And now with the evolution of line dance being more of this modern style of all kinds of music, as much as it has evolved and it's open, at the same time, there's still that um, skepticism of, you know, do people actually want to see certain styles of music in line dance and, and are they going to judge and say, "Oh, that's you can't do a line dance to the style, or that doesn't that that doesn't look good"? We're 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 open, but we are at times, I think, still set on this is the culture, and we shouldn't be breaking any rules. And but that's why I like to stay open. What if what if you could bring a style, or like you said, a particular sound, and we could start line dancing to it? Rachel actually just released something at Masters this past weekend, that swing dance that Megan was showing me a little while ago. And with Rachel, she's interesting because you can try to predict what what kind of uh, genre she's going to do next. And you can even send her songs and be like, yeah, I think this sounds like something she'd be interested in. But like I said, she's so picky to to know what's going on in her head at any time, uh, musically or stepwise, I think is if not challenging, um, if not just challenging, then potentially impossible because I would never have predicted she would have released that swing dance that she put out. And of course, it looks accessible as well as original. Like what gift does she have that she can take music from every genre and find something brilliant for it? I, we, we, we were talking earlier about how... To catch up to where they are in their their level of intuition and creativity would take decades because they've been doing this for so long. The Darrens and Madisons and Shanes and Rachels of the world, Joe, you know, they've been doing it for so long that it might still be difficult, but they make it look so easy. And I can just I just hope that we'll have enough exposure to different styles and uh, different music in line dance to come up with anything that's like half as creative as what we've seen from them. But I, I think I, I like what it is that you uh, have been doing with like trying to branch out. And maybe some some styles are still in a place where they're not for you yet, but you know, you, you are able to identify where you are in your dance journey. Yes, yes. Um, it, the, the way I see it is that, um, and we, we talked about that earlier, that for new people, it's very difficult. It's very hard because there's so much of it. <laughs> I think on Copernod, we have like dozens coming out every day. And, um, and instructors, we have so many of them. It's really hard to... Uh, 
it's not so much about oh yeah I want to be famous or anything and it's not it's not that it's how do how does one find their identity as a line dancer and find a sense of belonging and um and be able to pro when we produce work when we produce creative work we don't just produce it for ourselves it's it's because we want to share it with others um so we need witnesses of witnesses of people who see our work and and can identify with it relate to it and and feel the same things and become inspired and want to to uh, experience that work as well so we're looking as artists to find those uh, people who are going to want to witness our work because that's what's most fulfilling as an artist but the line dance world now is so huge there's so much going on that as a new artist you create something you don't want it to just be for the four walls you want to share it with the world but you don't know how you're going to do that you don't know if there are any witnesses out there so that's really challenging and I think my strategy was well you have to do something different <laughs> and uh, I get bored if it's not different like if everyone's doing something I'm going to be like no I want I'm going to do something else so and that was a bit with the interviews I thought okay what can I do differently to contribute to line dance in a positive way and to for people to get to know me but also to to share and to get to know other people um, and I thought okay well we don't see a lot of videos so I thought why not try that um, as a as a way of, of saying, hey, hi, my name is <laughs> Lavina, and um, and what is your name, right? So that's basically what we're doing with a lot of our our, our goals, our projects, uh, the things we put out there is saying, hi, I'm such and such, and what is your name? And we're trying to connect in this. We connect person to person in events, but also connect in an abstract way, right? Connect um, in this kind of at uh, you know internationally with the people that are far that we don't see how can we connect with them and it feels like nowadays you have to do something absolutely extraordinarily different in that sense it's a bit discouraging because it's like you it feels like you'd have to invent reinvent the wheel and there's nothing to <laughs> it reinvent sometimes you know there's so many line dance sequences right how many they're already out there what are you going to do that's be going to be different and maybe it's not that maybe you don't even need to do anything different or special um and for the most part you want to just be you but how do you be you <laughs> when no one you know knows you exist right so i would say for new line dancers uh who are who have a, a drive to towards leadership and creativity and uh it's difficult to find to carve your path so yeah <laughs> all right so I have two more questions for you uh the first one I like to ask people is what their guilty pleasure is outside of line dancing so some people like I've We'll say they're pets. Some people have said food. Some people are movie buffs. Um, some people are Disney fanatics or board games. So I'd love to know what your guilty pleasure is. The other thing is, outside of your just regular packing list of clothes and undergarments and shoes and toothbrush and stuff, what's one item that you travel with that you cannot travel without? Wow, <laughs> two questions to think about all at the same time. Um, well, let me start with the easiest one right now. So the guilty pleasure. I um, well, I love vacations. I love the the beach, the ocean. People who know me well know that I'm all about the ocean and t sea turtles and uh, warm countries. Um, so I, I really like when I can't to travel like to the Caribbean on a vacation and um, spend time by the beach. But that doesn't happen all, <laughs> all the time. But on a more regular basis, um, I do like um, I do like watching movies uh, at home when you can just relax and. Uh, you know, just be in your pajamas and, and watch a movie. And when I watch a movie, I'm usually, my mind is so full. <laughs> it's 
so I want to not think. So I actually like movies that are very basic, like there's not much thinking going on. It's just, you know, watch and be passive for a while. Um, yeah, so movies, I think, is, is something I, I really, I really enjoy. Um, the packing. It's funny you say that because I'm on a journey to try to reduce <laughs> what I carry to events. And it's a nightmare trying to cut back on stuff. But something I can't um, live without. Um, I know, like, for instance, um, one of the things that Chris always brings along with him is a neck pillow when he's flying. He loves to have that neck pillow because it supports his neck when he's on longer flights. Or uh, me personally, I love downloading offline to my phone either movies or music, and then I bring my headphones. Um, I know we also we specifically because we do these interviews like we have to think about the electronic side of things that we always have to bring so we always bring some type of recording device just in case we had an opportunity to sit down with someone and so those are just a couple things that like we specifically have to bring um, or like to bring and when we don't have them we're kind of disappointed that we forgot. I'm notorious for forgetting my pajamas because I, I think about what am I going to wear each day? Okay, got enough pairs of socks, got undies, got shirts, got pants, got one top layer just in case of weather. Good, I'm ready to go. And then I forget my pajamas and I have to sleep in a dance shirt and I don't like to do that. It wears them out faster, but you do what you got to do. Well, when I go to events outside of the country, usually it's because I'm going there to learn something. I'm either going to... Uh, specific type of workshop where you're learning maybe technique or I want to explore um, how uh, some choreographers are teaching. I want to see what are their teaching methods or I'm going to do an interview. So I know that I definitely need my laptop and my, you know, my camera, the things if I'm going to be using, uh, if I'm going to do an interview. But a lot of the time too, it's um, I know I'm going to be taking notes <laughs> And if I don't have anything, I'm going to get anxious because I will not be able to remember all the things that have been ha happening. And that could include silly things like you learned someone's name or you, you saw something that was done at, at an event and then you're just thinking, ah, oh, maybe one day in the future, you know, I'll run an event. That was a really cool idea. I like that. And, and you want to write all these things down, almost like a diary and just learn things you're learning. So if I don't have a book of like a notebook, paper and pen, yeah, I probably will feel uh, not very, <laughs> not very good. Um, I also always uh, like to carry my tablet because writing can be very time consuming and when it's like two o'clock in the morning and you're going to your room and you're telling yourself, I have to write this and that down because that was so cool what I learned tonight and it's late and you're tired. I find it's just easier to take my tablet and I, I do a voice recording. I could do it on my phone, but I prefer my tablet and I'll do voice recordings and I can say more than I write in a short time. So yeah, so I think that that equipment you need for learning and, and producing your your videos, yeah. Now, if anybody wanted to ask you more questions about your your videos and your interviews and maybe just in general connect with you online, what would be the best way that somebody could reach out and communicate with you? Um, at the moment, um, there's my YouTube channel, which is called Anna Lavina Line Dance. And it's Anna, A-N-A, -A, one N, and Lavina, L-A-V-I-N-A. -A. So it's called Anna Lavina Line Dance. And there you can see all uh, the, the demos, the videos, and I have my contact uh, there. Um, also on Facebook, it's very easy to find me under Lavina Matamidi, which is my personal page. But I also have a, a page uh, called Anna Lavina Line Dance as well. And I have my contact information there. So those would be good ways to, to reach me. Um, I check, I'm on Facebook a lot for connections with people. So Now if somebody 
somehow came across this podcast without looking at the title of it whatsoever, how would you spell Matamity? How would I spell <laughs> Matamity? Uh, so M-O-T-A-M-E-D-I, uh, pronounced Matamedy. And if somebody just hit the play button on their podcast player while they were driving and you're writing this down, maybe just wait to pull over first and then, you know, get, get your pen out and do it safely. And, uh, and then look, look it up after the car is parked. <laughs> all right. Now, if there were a message that you wanted to send to all of those very safe drivers listening to the podcast right now, everyone out there in the line dance universe, what would your message be to them? What would you want to share with all of them? Something to think about, almost like a billboard on the side of the road that they are looking at, thinking about me like, wow, I could do that. I could apply that to my life today. What would you want to share with them? Um, to be open and not forget that although people may look different in different ways, we're really all the same. Um, and that's the beauty of I've, I find of line dance is everyone, regardless of your skill level, we're on the dance floor. But still, I think that it's human nature is human nature, right? We we judge when we see someone that acts or looks different and to remember that we all have the same, you know, uh, fears. We have the same, we have our strengths or weaknesses. We're all going through challenges. You never know what that person is going through in their life at a particular moment. So you may be judging them that day and maybe just looking away and choosing not to smile at them and maybe who knows that when you did that at that moment that person you know they're they have a family member who is sick uh and and they may need all that you know compassion and the other thing is um to not forget to live in the present moment um i have uh noticed how our our culture or or even our, our our planet like our human our humanity has changed with the um, popularity of social media and artificial intelligence it's expanding so much and it has changed how we relate to ourselves and others and there's this you know we're we're not in the present moment anymore we're all the time on our cell phones on on facebook on the internet and when we do that we're losing sight of how are we feeling in our body um you know there's a bird there you're sitting on a in a park there's a bird you look up there's the sky and and just breathing and absorbing that in and not forgetting that that is life we don't want life to just fly by and all we've been is on our phones so and uh, i mean this applies to line dance for sure but it really applies just in general to, to the whole world not forgetting to live in the present moment and connect with people in person, uh, not all the time <laughs> through social media. I think social media could potentially really affect people's mental health, and that can be terrifying um, in the very long term. So, all right, now there is one final easy peasy, just quick and whatever comes to the top of your head, sort of a question that I would like to ask of you as we tend to do on the podcast. If there were one dance that you would recommend for everyone to learn right now, what would that dance be? One dance. Just one. Only get one. Maybe like top five. Um, I, 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 if it's, it's one dance, one, but not the dance. But uh. You can have like six or seven if you want. <laughs> You're a rare exception. Oh goodness! Um, <laughs> one dance everyone should learn. Um, that's really, really difficult to answer. The f I, I guess I'll just say what comes to mind uh, because it just pops in my mind. But right now, um, I really like uh, Derek Steele's dance, um, "Music to My Eyes." Uh, because it's a song, the song is really, it really feels good. The dance is 
not complicated. So it's one of those kind of dances where there's room to feel and to just kind of, because it's a waltz, like move, if you're on the dance floor with a crowd of people to just move like waves of, of the ocean to just really be part of, of something um, greater than yourself. And I feel you can do that with simple dances and especially if the song is really, really strong and very um, emotionally charged. So um, yeah, but to be fair, really honestly, there's so many dances that I I love, <laughs> and it's 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 hard to choose, right? Like you, it's like kind of saying uh, choose uh, among all your wonderful friends. It's like, but they all bring something different. They're all unique. They all are special personalities, and I think our line dances are like personalities. They're like friends. They're like, how do you choose, right? <laughs> So, but that's one that I find I can just kind of let go and, and like I said earlier, be in the present moment and, and forget all the, the thinking for a moment. Yeah. Is that one that uh, Simon taught at uh, New York State Line? I think that was one. Yeah, I believe so. I believe no, it's it. It's not just him, right? It's, it was Derek Steele and, and to be fair, Simon Ward, yeah. Yeah, and Simon seemed very proud of that one as well. I think he was excited at the idea that more people would get would uh, l- be learning that dance so that he could dance it with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it did really well, yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for joining us here on Lion Dance Podcast. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's uh, uh, nice to be on the other side <laughs> where you're being interviewed. It's very different. So it's been a pleasure, and it's been a pleasure to meet you both for the first time this weekend. Um, you're wonderful to talk to. Thank yeah. you. The, the feeling is mutual. <laughs> yes. And until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.